I'm Allegra Levy, and you're listening to the Scout Archives, the place where I have the privilege of introducing you to groundbreaking artists who also happen to be wonderful people. For more information on the guests or to nominate someone, head to our website, www.thescoutarchives.com. You can also follow us on social media at the handle The Scout Archives. And you can reach out to me on Instagram at Levy Allegra. Now let's introduce this month's guest. I always knew Beth Millian was more capable than she gave herself credit for. We met in a transition period for both of us, a scary time. I was navigating life as a transfer student and Beth was on her own in America since moving from Switzerland. I've always been in awe of how Beth could work a room, how everyone marveled at her personality and charm. She would have the room silent after a vocal performance class or leave me laughing during a Shakespeare scene we did in French in acting class. She was a friend to all, enemy to none. It always seemed as though Beth wasn't as aware of her effect on people, but she has told me since then that she felt throughout her life that she was often mistaken for naive and her loyalty has been abused. We've both been through emotional trials as a result of our giving too hard and too much to people, but Beth decided to turn that potential energy into kinetic energy in the most elegant, authentic, badass way. She is certainly not seen as naive anymore. Since returning from a semester in London, she's working on her new music and attending Stone Street Studios, the film and television acting studio. She's found a way to pursue every dream, making sure her dreams are unrealistic, but her level of effort is not. I have seen a serious change in how she views her self-worth and it is infectious, especially when watching her perform live. Her songs may be sick bops on their own through headphones or on a speaker, but Beth and her band give her music a new life because of how confident Beth appears to be even when she's singing about the hard times. Beth has shown me that it is okay to trust the process and to trust yourself, to feel content with being enough as you are right now. It is okay to accept the person you once were in order to become who you were destined to be. She may still be a loyal, trustworthy, and charming friend and artist, but it is when she began fully accepting her capabilities that she was able to be more true and fair to herself. In turn, she has become a multi-dimensional version of Beth as friend and artist. It is this Beth, the one who is flying high and not afraid of what the sky will throw at her, that is my favorite, the one I will always look up to. We're rolling. Yay. Hey, Beth. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad we're doing this. I know, me too. I feel like this has been like years in the making. I know. I love this. You've been Thanks through a lot together, me. too. I'm I know. Glad We've been through it. And now we're out on the other side. Exactly. It's, the view is beautiful. <laughs> the view is great. The climb is rough, but mm-hmm. the view is great. <laughs> I watched the Hannah Montana movie yesterday. That's beside the point, but it was great. Classic. 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 The climb, butterfly, hits. I was, you know what's so weird is that I have um, a playlist um, called Rainy Day, um, and it's all of my really sad songs. Because um, I was not having a great day yesterday, yeah. and I was listening to it last night, and I think I fell asleep to it, and I woke up to um, Billy Ray Cyrus's oh. sweet styling oh of my Butterfly God. Fly Away. Really? Yeah. I felt that. I really mm-hmm. felt that. Mm. Do you want to um, tell us where we are? Yes. So we're in the Lecker's apartment right now, <laughs> and it's beautiful. There's a beautiful view of the city, um, which is kind of a perfect spot for me, because I feel like... I love being like really high up and like this is like I feel like the perfect view of the city and it just makes you feel like kind of like elevated in some way. Yes. So it's kind of a metaphor. There's a metaphor in there somewhere. Love it. Yes. Okay, I guess I'm just gonna jump right in with you, Beth. Okay. You grew up in Geneva. Yes. And I wanna know when you got like the bug for performing or okay. like being an artist mm-hmm. and also what made you wanna I know you went to performing arts high school. No, no, no. I went, uh, there was um, a theater, like, like an after-school theater thingy that I did. It was like a theater, a theater academy, but I basically did it after school. But it was completely oh, separate from my high school. Got it. Yeah. Um, but I want to know what the decision was to go so far away for college yeah. from home. And, um, yeah, and, like, how your family feels about, mm. like, performing. Just mm-hmm. the whole backstory. Okay. So, basically, yes, I did grow up in Switzerland. Um, 
it was really weird because I've always been like a really like a huge extrovert. My my sister always says that the reason I went to performing is because I love I loved to lie when I was a kid. Because I just wanted, I loved being able to see how far I could go with a bit. And, like, I still do that. You can ask that to all of my friends now. So, like, I started doing theater because I was kind of a shy kid. Just a surprise. Um, I was, yeah, I was kind of shy at school. And one of my best friends, she, like, her, she was, like, an extreme extrovert in middle school. You know those ones? Yeah. And I was like, how would you do that? And then, so then she was basically, like, there's this new theater company from London that was, like, opening up, like, near our school, and they were, like, advertising it because it was in English. There was barely any stuff in English. So I was like, oh, cool. Um, and then my friend was like, we have to do it. We have to do it. So I started doing it, and then I found that it was a way for me to, like, escape who I actually was, like, in school and, like, become this whole other person, especially since it was separate from my high school. Yeah. So then I felt like I had this whole, like, double life, like, thing where, like, I would go to, the, like, after school to this, like, theater camp and, like, do all these performances. And they, they the only thing they would tell you is, like, literally just, like, lose it. That was the whole point of, like, theater. And I was like, um, say less. So then <laughs> I just, like, stayed there and I, I did that throughout my whole, like, middle school, high school experience. But, like, and, like, some of my, all my friends used to go to shows, but I never really got any main roles at all. So that that was definitely something that was really hard for me since I was the only, you know, like, the, I was one of the very few people of color there. And so it was very hard for me to find m- my myself within the industry. And I always thought that, I always felt like there would be something here that would be different mm-hmm. that I could find. Um and my mom was always super supportive, and I didn't really take it 100% seriously until later on. I started doing, like, YouTube videos on, on oh, when I was, like, 14, obviously, like every kid. But um, some very cringeworthy material if you want to go see it now before I take it off. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I, I did that, and I was just, like, trying to be as proactive as I could when I was there. And then... I guess I remember when it started to come time to, like, apply for college and stuff. Like, I always took my academics extremely seriously because I'm a very competitive person and my sister is very smart. So then, like, I did, like, student government. I played soccer. Like, I definitely kept myself busy. Like, I was definitely a person that did better under stress. Um, And I remember sitting my mom down and being like, Mom, if I get into one of the top three musical theater schools, you have to let me go. And so she was like, I mean, I can't argue with that. She was very supportive, you know, but it's just, like, such a big jump that it's, like, like, I, my mom always had 100% faith in me. I couldn't say the same about myself. I was like, I have a good feeling about this. I'm a Pisces, so I'd be feeling that shit. So, mm-hmm. I was like, so then I was like, okay. So I was like, let me try. And I did the summer high school program at NYU. And then I was like, oh, my, I just, I could not stop. Like, it was the only thing I was thinking about. It was the only place I wanted to go. I applied early decision. I flew over during a weekend to audition because I was like, I have to do this in person. I have to do it right. And so I came over, and I remember, like, sitting on the plane and being like, wow, like, I... I'm flying over. My mom is spending so much money for me to fly over and just to prove why I deserve to be there. And for some reason, instead of being scared about that, I was just like, I have to do this for myself and, like, just to show myself that I can do this. Mm -hmm. And I went to the audition, and I looked like nobody else that was there. Like, fully remember going into that room, like, all the dance moms. I was there by myself because my mom, like, obviously couldn't buy a whole flight for me. And so then... I did the audition. I had so much fun. And I was like, this is, I need this. Like, I need to do this. I need to do this. And I remember just, like, one-track mind, like, blinders on. Like, I knew where I wanted to go. Um, and then, so then when I got the response, it was just, like, so much better. My mom was on a business trip. It was just me and my sister. And, like, everybody in my high school was rooting for me because I was, like, one of the only people doing theater. Yeah. I was probably the only person doing that theater. That was the same as me. Right? Yeah, it was very few. A lot of people did it, like, recreationally. Yeah. But, like... Nobody wanted to go to school for it. At least not a performing arts school. Yeah. Like, no one wanted to go yeah. to school for it. Everyone was like, econ? Because it's also <laughs> Switzerland. Like, everybody's like, business? Um, and I remember, like, all of my teachers, like, who have known me, like, because I've been there since I was a kid. Yeah. And they're like, wow, you're actually doing this? And then when I got in, I was like, yeah. And I remember they're like, okay, you got into NYU. That still means you have to focus. But I was just like, that's it. Like, I got and I got my opportunity. I feel the same way about like even professionally. Like I'm like one day somebody's gonna take a chance on me and then they're gonna see. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of weird. I like trust the process now where I'm like, I just do my shit and then 
whatever happens will like will happen when it's supposed to hmm. yeah did you ever see yourself maybe doing something else uh i mean like for not the right reasons uh, i'd be like uh like i'm getting a bmt minor and the way that i see it that like anything that i do outside of this should inform it in some way and so doing like my stern minor uh in the business of entertainment i was like if anything it just informs me and helps me not get exploited once i go out there at the same time I don't know where my passion is going to take me later on in life and like what if I want to be in like the business aspect of it and like yeah. um and then I wanted to be a doctor for a while because I loved playing with the random like utensils but that was like <laughs> that's probably not a good reason to do it. Um I was like lawyers make so money funny. but I was like also don't put me on the stand cuz my sister loves arguing so he's like doing that as a living I hope I think the fuck not. So yeah. Yeah. God. But yeah, I don't think I don't think it's ever been anything else. I think my biggest concern was always finding what within within the entertainment industry I wanted to do. Then I realized I didn't really have to choose. Mhm. So I was like, well, might as well just do it all. Oh, I love and that. See what happens. Um we were both in the musical theater studio. Yes. <laughs> okay, I want like we were I like I'm not going to like toot our horns here, yeah. but I would say that, like, we worked really hard. We had, like, we were well-respected. Yes. We had a lot of friends. Um, but I just never felt like I, it, like, it was where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Or at least maybe, like, later on, my June, like, our, our junior yeah. year. Like, I just didn't yeah. feel like it was where I was supposed to be. I, so I never, like, felt like myself until I, like, let go of, like, mm-hmm. that studio and, like, the drama mm-hmm. and, like, the work over there. But I want to know what your experience was mm-hmm. there, and what did you learn from studying mm-hmm. musical theater, and how has the transition been from musical theater to like film? Mm. And uh, yeah, well, for me, like definitely felt that I have like a deep love for musical theater because it's the foundation of everything that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah, like it, it really is because it really touches all aspects of of the entertainment industry, like I said. So I always saw it very exclusively, and I think that's one of the things that that was missing for me, where I, I like, wanted to work on my dancing so hard. I wanted to work on my acting so um, exclusively. I wanted to work on my singing so exclusively. So then if I wanted to do musical theater, I could. Yeah. But then I could do other things as well. And I feel like that's where I found it really hard because of how demanding... The, the studio is there's all of these like politics that come along with it that I necessarily like I guess didn't understand or and would internalize and think that it's like me that like didn't do it like for example like I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I have a musical theater voice I, I can fake it like a boss um, but I there's like a lot of like intricacies that I didn't really understand and I there was a bit of me that felt like I didn't really belong, but I was trying so hard, which I'm so thankful for because it taught me effort. It taught me how hard I had to work to get the stuff that I wanted. Mm -hmm. But then, like, even though I wasn't getting a lot of, like, main roles or stuff in studio, I would see my training coming, coming, like to fruition in other parts of my life outside of studio. So like me getting into reality show, me starting music, like me being able to like be in like short films and stuff where I could dance, like music videos, things like that. And then I was like, huh, that's interesting. Cause I I, like value the teachers that we have so much. Like they're all so knowledgeable and like they've like changed my life like very deeply as well as like everybody else and seeing how hard. That is one thing like I respect everybody in the musical theater program so hard for how hard they work because like they have a one-track mind and they work their asses off you yeah. know so as much as there's like all this drama and stuff like that is only is only a consequence of like the the stu- like it, it just being so demanding and so I'm so th- I started to realize that that like my training is separate than me being there mm-hmm. and so I was like and like it's not a thing where I need them in order to become successful professionally they are helping me do that by myself right and so if I saw that like I was doing all these other things outside of studio like 
trust the training that I got. I, I started to trust the training that I got that like, yeah, I can do it on my own. Like I did, I did get that knowledge and, I, and it's inside me. It's not like I have, I have, I need them to do it, you know? And so I was like, what if I had the time when I wasn't necessarily feeling like very valued in studio and put it into things where I, I knew I was getting like active like feedback and active like positive, um, positive like reactions from. So then when I went to Stone Street and I started doing film and TV, I just saw another skill that like I always knew I wanted that I didn't know how to get. And like, you know, because musical theater is so structured, it feels, honestly, it's, I did it because it felt safe. It was like, there's a way to do this. You work hard as fuck and, and then you go and you, make, and you become the best at that. But then that is like, that'll take a toll on your mental health. And so what I'm like, let me take what I can from this yeah. and like trust myself that I'm entertaining enough as it is right it's sorry these are so long-winded no this is great it's so true it's like yeah it just makes so much sense I mean the fact that we just had so many classes a day at new studio and then we have two classes a day I mean listen it's it's hard sometimes to sit in those like three hour classes at Stone Street but it's like it's just so much more I don't know. I always felt like if I was more relaxed, I was able to, to do my work better, and 100%. I just never felt that way. And the whole idea of, like, positive reinforcement is something that I feel like um, maybe not was lacking from studio, but maybe it was <clears throat> delivered in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so, like, being able to go in Stone Street and get notes where it's like, yeah, you're ready. Like, that's what I need to hear. I need to hear that what I am right now is enough. And yeah. that, yeah, you can do more and you can be better, but, like, you as it is is enough. And, like, going into senior year, like, that's that's what I need to hear. Like, yeah. that is really what I need to hear right totally. now. Totally. You know? Totally. Um, when we were studying musical theater, we initially connected because we're Pisces. But yes. also because we were both in very um, loving and prosperous friendships mm-hmm. with people that were in our studio and not only in our studio but in like our close section yeah. of like 10 yeah. to 12 kids and red group yeah red group forever uh, forever <laughs> um, I died those people and uh, these were like friendships with colleagues that pushed us because they were so talented yeah. too um, but I think that sometimes like we may have felt inferior because of like our own like insecurities and stuff like that for sure um and I just want to know how you feel about close friendships in our field and yeah. like the competitive nature mm-hmm. of the business. Um, and if you've sensed any change in the film studio and in your like relationships with the kids in the film studio now and like now that we're about to be like in yeah. the world as opposed to yeah. just in college. I think the hardest thing about working with your friends is that like finding a balance between like uh, no being able to realize that you and like your path and their path are completely different mm-hmm. because like you feel like you're going through this whole journey with them yeah you have to realize that your career is they're completely like separate they're parallel but they're completely separate right um and i think because there's our our like group was so small we would feel like we all had to have like our like, that had to be, like, our type. You have to be a different type than everybody else or else you're competing with somebody else uh, for, like, something that's not even, like, real. I don't know if this is making any sense, but, like, you all had to have your type, basically. Yeah. And feeling, like, so different from everybody else, I got to have that, but at the same time, I would find myself competing against people that are, like, nothing like me. And, like, we would never go in for the same auditions. And even if we did, we would give completely different performances. So it's not even, like, you're the same type, which means that it's going to be you or her. And it's, like, it's not that. It's, like, there's something specifically about me that's going to make me get the role and something specifically about them that's going to get the role. Do you know what I mean? And I think that was the best thing that I found at Stone Street because, like, I want to be happy for my friends. Like, because they're incredible. I wouldn't have them around me otherwise. 
You know what I mean? And like one person I definitely want to shout out is like Alex Lugo. Like she was like literally my sister, like all throughout like primary studio. And like I remember like coming here and like I don't even know who I was freshman year. I was just a whole ass cringe ball. <laughs> I was just cringy and like insecure and scared about everything. And like she supported me so wholeheartedly and like you did too like the whole of red group that's why i'm so thankful for them but like yeah, that was a good it was group. just like it was just like no you go do your shit like you are enough you are enough you are enough and like i didn't believe that i feel until like at least a year ago which is like so interesting because i always thought i did but like you just constantly are relearning that and that like you as an individual and every experience that you've had the way you talk, the way you like sing, the way everything, the way that you feel emotions is what is going to make you get the role, not like how high you can kick your face. You know what yeah. I mean? And it can so easily like be distilled down to that, especially when you're in that environment all the time. So being able to step away from it just gave me a, a greater appreciation for everybody in that studio and also like my training and, and myself as a performer. Yeah. I was gonna shift to your music. Uh huh. <laughs> um, when did you decide that you wanted to pursue music, and um, how did you kind of figure out? Because I always knew that you wanted to do music, and I always figured I would know kind of what your mm -hmm. sound was. But how? When was like the moment that you were like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna do this. And also, how did you know, or do you even know? yet mm -hmm. what your sound is and like what kind of like the images for what Beth Million will be and is. Yeah, so I think I always wanted to do music, like the whole idea of like a pop star, everybody's had it. And that what is what kept me from saying it out loud. Because like everybody wants to be a pop star, like duh. Yeah. Like please the lights, you know, hit like <laughs> hit me. But like <laughs> I think the thing for me was that it was always so inaccessible to me my whole life. Mm -hmm. It was like, I was in Switzerland. Like, you're not auditioning for Disney Channel, baby. Like, you will be there until you graduate, right? Um, and then, but then musical theater was just like the closest thing I could get mm -hmm. to that. And yeah. so I did that for so long. And then I always, I'm a tour guide too. So like, I always say this on my tours where I'm like, um, when like, I... Wait, what was I going to say? Wait, let me let me back up. No, I always say this on my tours where I'm like, I feel like I've far exceeded the person that I thought I could be here hmm. in the sense that Ooh, I was like, I was like, you have like, there's this energy in New York where you feel like you have to do everything right now, like the sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. And like that can be, that was so overwhelming for me in the beginning, like so overwhelming because I was like, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. But actually it's like, take a look at the, resources around you be proactive like it's up to you like you are the only thing standing in the way of your own success that's what I always say and the minute I started doing that like I have so many of my friends like my like friends who are in film and tv they are some of the most like ambitious people that I've ever like seen in my life and they are working so hard and they are being proactive about that shit because if you want to be in the film industry you have to do it all yourself you need to know the right people. You need to be organized enough to do it and make it happen. And so seeing all of my friends, like, do that just inspired me so much. And I remember talking to them about it. I'd be like, yeah, like, I want to, like, uh, my friend Josh, like, I, I would talk to him and I'd be like, yeah, I really want to do music. He's like, just do it then. And I was like, what do you mean just do it? What do you mean just do it? And he's like, just do it. You know producers. Like, you literally, you know, like, some of your friends are in Clive. Like, do it then. And I was like, I, I, I'm... I mean, hmm, okay, rude, you know? <laughs> and then I, like, tried it, and, like, and especially with the sound, I guess, I didn't really know what sound I was going for, but, like, I kind of trusted that what I am as a person isn't entertaining enough, and I don't have to create this whole, like, persona, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because I feel like I always do that anyways when I perform. I always say that I become, like, Crystal Beth, <laughs> where I'm, like, this, like, ultra-confident, like, ego version of myself, where yeah. I, I don't have to think about all the insecurities that I think about when I'm, like, a real person. Um, and so then I just, like, remember, like, now, like, my manager, JP, he's one of my really good friends. We, like, sat down. He was like, what do you want your brand to be? And so I was like, okay, 
Aesthetically, Aaliyah, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, musically, Lauren Hill. And culturally, Rihanna is Shit. what I wanted. So Damn. I remember I thought of that like right before I was about to sleep at like 2 a.m. one day. And I was like, and I texted him and I was like, that is, that is what I want. Like, because those are the people that inspire me and like, and like the women of color right now that are just, just taking over the music industry. I was like, I want to be that influential. Mm-hmm. And I never thought that I had anything interesting to say. And I was like, you know what, like anything. And, like, and then I think about it, like all the conversations we've had, even in our time where I'm like, man, men ain't shit sometimes. Like, I just wish I could just say all of this. And I was like, well, let me just write it down then. And um, yeah, so now the... Like, I feel like a lot of the aesthetic for my music is sad bitch turned bad bitch. Love. So I just kind of fake it till I make it with my music. I feel like a lot of my music is like, feels like an anthem to me whenever I forget my own worth. Aww, where it's like, that's great. yeah. So like, maybe they're not like specifically things that have happened. Maybe they're, a lot of them are things that I wish I could say to somebody mm-hmm. in that way. When I know damn well, like I can't. And I'll be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> In real life. <laughs> but then when I'm like, refuse to be your dirty little secret, like, it is not going to happen. Like, I, so I was like, damn, I'll just fake it till I become that bad bitch. So we're steadily on the way. Yeah. Wow. Love it. You now have a band that is your mm-hmm. group of friends, which was kind of like a new development because yes. I remember like, it wasn't until a couple weeks ago yeah. that you were like, oh, now I have a band that's like all my friends. Yes. Um, and... Before the before you solidified the band that you have now, how did you go about finding the musicians? How did they understand what you were trying to go mm-hmm. for, um, and what you wanted your music to be? Whether it was like producers yeah. or it was like live musicians. Yeah. I think that was definitely my biggest roadblock is finding collaborators because I always felt like I needed to prove myself as an artist, and because I was new, and there's all these people who are literally studying it as a profession the same way that we are doing musical theater, you know, who are like, I know what I'm talking about. And I honestly really didn't know what I was talking about. I was like, I felt what I was talking about. I knew what I wanted it to come out, like, like ultimately. So then feeling like I always had this, like, the biggest roadblock for me was feeling that people collaborating with me was them doing me a favor when Mm -hmm. that's not it at all. And I'm I'm sure, like, a lot of artists feel this, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, but, like, nobody's doing you any favors. Nobody has time to be doing favors anymore. So if they're helping you, they're doing it because they respect you. Yeah. And so you need to... And I think the hardest thing was for me was just, like, finding people who are as passionate about my vision and making one unanimous vision so then everybody in the group is as um driven towards that one specific goal together and so for example me and my friend nick who's a drummer in my band like we've been friends for a really long time and we used to always like make he's like he used to play in a band in high school and and he does film and tv so i was like so when he was like let me play drums for you i was like haha yeah and it was like a running joke for like two years because i was like we never, like, you know, because you only see them as friends, right? And then I was like, okay, so I had this show coming up, and I was like, okay, like, sure, like, you know, I, like, I don't have a drummer, like, let's try. And then there was somebody else that I worked with, um, uh, Antonio, who's uh, the keyboardist in, in my band, like, he accompanied me for one of the musical theater um, <clears throat> uh, free plays that we had. Oh, get out. Yeah, and then we just, like, vibed, and I asked him to play with me, and, like, we just got along so well on, like, uh, a personal level that, like, when it came to music, like, he is, like, incredible, like, with, like, like, music theory and things like that, and so he, and he's got such a good ear that, like, now, since we've known each other for so long, he knows the kind of sound that I'm trying, or the kind of vision that I'm trying to do, and so when, and then, like, Nick's friend Lucas, like, uh, also does film and TV, but um, uh, uh, does film, like, in a city, but he he's not from NYU, but, like, we met for the first time, and, like, we weren't even thinking about music, but we just got along so well that he was like, oh, like, Lucas also plays guitar, and then I was like, fire, like, bring them all in, and then we all met up once. I remember bringing them all in, I was like, I don't know how this dynamic is gonna work, and then they just all, like, vibed, because me and them vibed so well that I was like, I feel like I would literally introduce them as friends anyways. Mm-hmm. So then when we started playing music together and it was just like fun and like 
you have this like freedom to be able to discover a whole other part of it that's not like okay so these are the sheet music like get it right this is it and so that freedom just like I feel like unlocked something so incredible that like even when we perform I feel like it's a different performance every time because we're just like fucking around on stage like straight up like you, you guys know. are really cute. It's so you have a really fun. cute like, dynamic. I love all of them. They're all so talented. So I'm so thankful to have them. I love that. What's your songwriting process like? Like, have mm. you always written lyrics, or is the entire process a collaboration? Or what's it like to work with a producer? Like, uh, I mean, I know since you were in Red Group, you don't mm. have that much music theory back. No, <laughs> so I don't, don't imagine you like anything. in your room with a piano, like <laughs> oh, going at it. Don't even. <laughs> don't even I would not do that I would not put anybody through that um no so I definitely I think come with the lyrics I come with the the lyrics and melody come at the same time for me Mm. um I mean my first single that I wrote it was very much stream of consciousness I remember I could like literally only write in the dead of night I'll be thinking about something so furiously that like I can't fall asleep and then, because I sometimes find myself that, like, when I rant is when I'm the most eloquent, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, I remember staying up one night, and I was so angry about something, about someone. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, let me just, like, the only way I'm going to sleep is if I just, like, write this down. And then I'll just copy it in my journal later. And then I just started writing things. And then it kind of came out as a poem, but it kind of also didn't. And then I was like, huh. That kind of slaps. And I was like, wait. So then I, I have a guitar. I play conversational guitar is what I say. Okay, so it. I brought these like real simple chords on it. And I was like, huh, wait, this kind of slaps. So then I was like, maybe I'll bring it in to like my friend Darren, who um, is like a jazz pianist and composer. And he's so talented. And my friend Gabe. So I brought it into them. And my friend Gabe is in, in Clive. And so I... I brought them. I brought it to them for the first time, and I was like, "Hey, I kind of wrote something. I don't know if it's like good, um, but like, and I, I. That's one thing I'm trying to learn is stop do, giving myself disclaimers. Just like let it as it is. That's where it is in the process, and that's good enough. Um, and then they're like, okay, and they start playing around with the chords, and they're like, oh, cool, we should record this. And like even just that coming out of their mouth and being like, somebody believes in me. I was like. I was just, like, high off the idea of this becoming a real thing. And so then that's just how my songwriting process became. Like, I'm a nut, like, in the street. Like, I will fully, like, randomly think of melodies and then sing it into my voice voice notes. And people are, like, passing. They're like, is this girl okay? Like, what is going on right now? Mm-hmm. I'll be, like, on a stoop, like, <laughs> And they're like, okay, <laughs> all right. And I'll keep walking. Um, so nothing funny. new for New York, but, like, yeah. yeah. I think that's how my songwriting comes to fruition and like and like obviously they're embellishments people have to understand that about music because everyone's like damn Beth you really be dragging people in your songs and I'm like it's not really about anybody specifically it's just about the types of people like that and then obviously there's a little embellishments just make it a little spicy like isn't like let that hurt go you know <laughs> right. what I mean totally it's fine uh, when you when you were in London, I feel like that's when you kind of were focused, like, very heavily on your music. I mean, it might have been because you weren't really... Yeah. You weren't at RADA or anything like that. You no. were just taking an academic yeah. semester. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, so what was it about that time of your life that caused you to focus on music so heavily? And did you have any doubts about finding inspiration or, like, discipline for the music when you came back to the States? A hundred... A hundred percent. Yeah, so I did start when I was in London, and I think that's because I wasn't getting that, like, <laughs> okay, this is not, I don't, I'm going to have to find a different way of explaining this. My creative nut. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> but I was just, totally. like, I was really, like, missing, I, I know, I was just really pent up with the amount, like, after doing musical theater for, like, so intensely for, like, the two years before, I was, like, what do I do? Like, I'm just doing academics. Like, I just felt like I wasn't being creatively, like, stimulated stimulated in any way. And so I was like, I need to do something. And so they had all of these, like, clubs that we could join, part of UCL. And so we could join their clubs. And so they had all these, like, like open mic nights, things like that. So then I literally just posted on on the, like, NYU London page, like, this, if anybody's a producer, anybody's a musician, whatever, want to collab, let me know. 
So then uh, this guy, Alex Gomez, reached out to me, and he's like, yeah, like, I make music. He's really good. Check him out. Um, Quadio Noir, he started a band there. Um, and he's super pro- proactive about all of that stuff. And so we started working together, and we started performing at these open mics, and, like, people that I, did, like, completely didn't know, completely different audience, like, I remember I performed Dirty Little Secret there for the very first time. This is before I even started producing it at all. And then mm-hmm. people, like, were vibing with it so much. And, like, I started meeting people in the music community there. I'm, I, unfortunately, I wasn't there long enough to, like, make use of any of those. But, like, people still from London, like, reach out to me. And they're like, oh, my God, like, hope everything's going well in New York. And, like, people who used to watch me at these gigs, which is, like, so cool to hear. Um, and so when I started doing it there and I realized that, like, if I use my free time to do what I actually wanted, I don't need a studio to, like, force me to do it. This is something that I know that I want to do and can do. Yeah. And so I was like, and then I remember being like, I have to hold myself accountable when I come back. I have to, I have to, I have to. And then some of my friends in London, like, also used to make music. Uh, Like, my friend Jackson, um, who who is stage means Afterthought, he's a really cool rapper. And so we started working on tracks there. And so then when I got back here, I was like, okay, I need to be proactive. And so I reached out to people relentlessly about getting this done. Um, and so we worked on Dirty Little Secret. We worked on it. I worked on it so hard. I remember being so scared about dropping it, but then like so excited and being like, I have to do this. And it's my first. It's only going to get better from here. That's what you have to realize. So then, yeah. So then I came here and then I was like, and I, I just couldn't go back to studio. I don't know. There's just something about it that like, I was like, I feel like I'm doing something. I feel like there's something here for me. Like this like freedom that I have now. And I knew I always wanted to go and film on TV anyways. So then I was like, I can do this. Let me do Stone Street. And I, that doesn't mean I can't uh, like audition for musical theater things and stuff. And so that's why when I did Legally Blonde, I was like, see, I knew I didn't lose it. Like, I still had it in me. Um, and then I, I just felt like I, I'm living my dream now. Where I get to like be a musician and like write music. And I, like I feel like I'm starting to... like have people respect me in the music industry and people who are, like, who I really look up to and, like, my friends who are in the music uh, game while also being able to, like, feel like I can do that as well and film and TV and, like, that freedom is what I needed. That stream of revenue is what I need, (laughs) you know, those streams of revenue. So I was like, yeah, like, why not do it all? You know, you don't have to be famous in order to be able to do it all. Just train in all of them. So then I was like, why not? Out of all the people you have met here at NYU, or just in New York in general, um, with whom have you had the most fruitful collaboration, either in film, music, or um, musical Hmm. theater? I would say that my working with my film friends is always, like, a game changer for me because, like... I have to shout out, like, my friend Mike and Pat and all of them and Sarah and all of them who are on my uh, Dirty Little Secret music video. That was something I did not call for. And when it actually started happening, I was like, wow, what? I'm making a music video? Like, this is, like, my, like, 11-year-old dream. Like, you know what I mean? But, like, for them, the way that that happened was my friend was in a music video class, and I was like, wait, don't they? Because I remember them talking about how they had to do that. Like, they all, like, had at some point in their NYU experience. And I was like, and then I remember sending the group chat, like, is anybody in the music video class? And then, like, one of my friends, Pat, was like, yeah, I am. I was like, and then I texted him. I was like, bro, you want to do my music video? And they were like, whoa, that would be fun as fuck. So then I was like, so then I was literally on set with all of my friends and like see, and because they're in film and TV and I never see them, like when they're like on set with each other all the time, being on set with them and like seeing them do what they do so well, like they're incredible and seeing them do it so well and them being able to trust me and my ability to do stuff. So then when we were on breaks, we were on breaks and I was literally hanging out with my best friends. And then when we were working, that shit came out so good. And I like didn't have to worry about them doing their job and they didn't have to worry about me showing up. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Totally. So like that, like collaborating with your friends is just like incredible. And like I had the photo shoot for my new single with my friend Josh. 
who does photography. Um, he has an Instagram page called Flash. I'm just giving all the shout outs right now. No, give Flashing it. lights, but like he's like incredible and he does rooftop photos, but he also like makes film and TVs and like music videos and stuff. And like and like planning that with him, for example, was like so much fun and like we were just like in this like little room in Todman and like we have like we went like fabric shopping for like random silks and it's just like being able to work with your friends is just so fruitful, especially working with your friends that are so talented, which is why I'm just so excited for my future. And, like, I know that I'm going to see you in the industry one day and, like, we're going to be in something together. And, like, that's going to be so fun. And, like, yeah. you know, so I, th- I think that's the most fruitful is when you respect the your collaborator as a human being as well as an artist mm-hmm. and then being able to just, like, do that. And that's how I feel with my band. That's how I feel about all of my collaborators, like, my producer, like, people forget how interlinked the two are. Like, if you're just really good at what you do, but you're not a cool person to be with, or, like, or like is, aren't a good person at the end of the day, like, that makes such, for such a bad collaboration. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't be open about your creative process. You can't be, like, you know, you can't be receptive to each other. It's just, like, makes it so hard and just not fun. Yeah. No, totally. Hmm. Um, there was some sort of transformation that I saw in you when you came uh, back from London, and I think that there was some sort of, like, change of... Maybe it was just that we had been doing for so long these shows that were already written, these scripts that were already written, and um, we were just, like, made to, like, be as spontaneous as we could be or take autonomy of Mm. our own artistry but, like, in the confines of, like, here are all the people that did this role before you. Here are all the things. Here's the script. Like, mm. here's, you know, there was so, many, so much structure in, mm-hmm. in, like, musical theater. Or yeah. just, like, in theater in general. And, like, now that I'm in film and that I'm, like, making my own films and all that stuff, it's just so much more, like, wow, like, I have so much control over, yeah. like, my art and yeah. stuff like that. So I'm wondering how you feel about like the correlation between your the autonomy of your artistry and your confidence level or like your mental mm-hmm. health. Um <laughs> I think all of those things are exclusive and so incredibly interlinked at the same time. But it's because I feel like it depends. It depends on the project. Um and I think it's never good to compare yourself to things uh like pr- people who have done the role before you. And I think that was my also one of my biggest roadblocks in musical theater because like either I was the first black person to ever do it or um they're all of the most iconic black people have done it so don't fuck it up yeah which is like it's like impossible to like work through especially at this point in my development at least where I was uh maturity wise I wasn't ready to take on something like that because then that's so high stakes where you're like if I don't do this absolutely perfectly why am I in this industry it's stone street where I got to pick my own material it was just, like, a game-changer because I got to, like, finally have, like, I finally got to have the freedom to put away all of that, like, subconscious, like, politics that I've kind of made for myself where I feel like the industry convinces everyone that you need to have. And I was like, this is what I can see myself in. And then do it and do it damn well and then being able to be like, let me apply that same confidence that I had in this character that I feel like is me and could be me and then apply it to, like, all other characters. And, like, that is just, like, incredible because, like, even as a, as a black woman in this, like, in America and as a black woman in this country and in, in this world, you have, like, three layers of subconscious where you're, like, this is how people see me. This is how I see myself. This is how I can... Um, most manipulate other people to make me see uh, that uh, to see me in the way that I would like to be seen mm-hmm. right um, and I feel like having the freedom once again to choose those roles and make those decisions purely according to what I think I could do and my own capabilities is to prove that whole theory wrong and to be like I am enough as a person I am authentic enough as an individual. I don't have to be, you know, there's, there isn't something specifically about my, my characteristics that make me different. It's not the fact that I'm the first 
black women to do something that makes me different is because it's me. As well as like the, like how cool that is. Like, I like obviously there's politics that come with being a black woman in this industry. And so I, that's a responsibility and I'm, and I'm ready to take that on. But I, I like being able to have that sort of grip over my future and the career that I want to have. Yeah. Rather than the career that I'm forced to have. Yeah. What do you want audiences to feel when they listen to your music and when they see you perform live? Um, what do I want my audience to feel? Well, first I want them to feel whatever they want to feel because I'm like, go off. I'm like, <laughs> artist objective. Me and my friends had a whole <laughs> argument about if artist objective. We'll get into that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, the main thing for me is that for me, my music, it's kind of like the you're angry, get angry kind of vibe that I get where I'm like, so often I'm trying to like cater specifically to the environment around me and make sure that everybody is like, okay. And, and not to like disturb the peace often when I'm feeling things very deeply and so I was like, well, music is the one place I don't really have to do that. And so that's why the whole, like, sad bitch turned bad bitch, I was like, I will say the things that I wanted to say that are probably, that will probably have a lot of consequences in the real world. Yeah. But then sing him with a sweet little melody so nobody realizes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I mean, Lizzo's already doing that shit with her, with her whole movement, and I support that 100%. But I just feel like women are rarely given the platform to be angry and get angry and be like, yeah, and I'm going to do it in an elegant ass way through like my melodies and through, you know, my music. It'll be elegant, but I'm not subduing it in any way. Mm -hmm. And so I will be big and I will, and I will be loud, you know, and there's nothing y'all can do to stop me. So I think that's what I, want like people listening to my music to feel I want them to dance I want them to bop sway whatever they want to do but um, I want them to feel like powerful Hmm. yeah I think that's what I want Hmm. what's it like to be in love oh (laughs) so this is a recent development for me so um, it's I mean I feel like there's so many movies and, like, songs about it, but it's incredible. It's so great. It's... You just feel everything so 100% on every part of your body, like, every part of your mental, and then you get to use that in every part of your life in whatever way you see fit. Um, And for me as an artist, like... I mean, think about how many artists have used that as inspiration. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But then also, like, you can feel love, but for not the right person, and that can be detrimental to your career. Yeah. Um, and for other and, and to other aspects of your life because it's so engrossing. And so that's why I think being in love with the right person and in a healthy relationship is something that has just like been a recent development for me, and that just has made me feel more like myself every day in the sense that like being with somebody who's as passionate or as ambitious as you firstly secondly who respects you who respects your work outside of you as their partner is something that's so different like I let my boyfriend listen to my new single before I did when I got the last master because I was like I just want to see how he's going to react to it um, and then and then watching him listen and react to it and like separately from the music but then also being able to see me like there was just like something that was like made me so happy and I was like wow and I feel that with all my friends too like I'm like love my friends so deeply and like being able to see people who believe in you so so fully and believe in every part of you yeah. I believe in your like you as as an individual and as a person in this world that you're going to do good, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever comes out of it. And then also having them support you, like, 
as an artist and being like, yeah, I'm coming because I support you as an artist, not because you're my friend. That is something that's like incredible. And like, I need to start writing more happy songs. I realized I was because everyone's like, damn, like, because then like people that I used to see you would be like, guys would be like, damn, are you going to write a song about me? I was like, I don't know. You're going to give me a reason to. And so like now I have a reason to, but it's not necessarily a bad one yeah so i'm trying to see how i can access that part of myself because i feel like that's one part of my artistry that i haven't really um explored and i'm interested to see what's gonna come out of it you know yeah but i'm really really happy and i was very jaded in my past life um my past life is that much life to live (laughs) 20 years to live um 21 years but I am so happy and I wish that for every important person in my life Mm. yeah okay now I have some like one-off questions yes please who should everyone be following on Instagram right now hmm who should everyone be following oh I follow these like oh can I say Twitter sure yeah actually no 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 Instagram. Instagram. Wait, can I see? Can I yeah. look on my Instagram? <laughs> Let me see. Who's popping up? Who's popping off right now on Instagram? Okay, I just, I can't. I have, it's like f- basic, but Rihanna is like my favorite person to follow on Instagram. And like her whole like savage and Fenty beauty and all of that because I just see how she's like taken over the world and like making people feel so confident all over the world and like that's basically the whole vision that I have for my um for my music and so being able to see the influence that she has on like women like everywhere and like I think Rihanna is the only person who has male groupies like straight up like men are like (laughs) when you know what I mean yeah which is like so like cool because I always like I used to be like one direction or like it was bad in my past life um anything like before new york is my past life in my in my book but yeah i think rihanna don't need to get on that you probably are already but if i think of something better i'll tell you okay if you could travel to one time what would it be um the 90s Mm, yeah you would (laughs) like that's my whole like I would die like I have too many pieces in my wardrobe that are purely 90s and Mm -hmm. people are like okay she's got an energy do you know what I mean yeah and like the whole boom box like I just yeah it's your vibe Spike Lee hire (laughs) me you know um if you could only listen to one song forever what would it be (gasps) oh Just Friends by Music Soul Child I'm like obsessed with that song I found it like three years ago um no I found it like two years ago but it's like just such like a happy-go-lucky song and it's like R&B but it's like soul and it's got like all of these different instruments I love the idea of like weird instrumentation in my music and I, I don't know it's just it's so good and it makes me happy no matter what it is when I play that song in the street I fully sing out loud I'm not even kidding mm. like I sing out loud and like any song that can just force me to dance whether I'm walking down the street and feel like I'm in a music video or like yeah I love it so go check it out it's fire what would you name your child if you had one? Oh, my sister's gonna be so mad at me for saying this because I totally copied her um, <laughs> when I was younger but so um, Ethiopia uh, previously used to be called Abyssinia um, so I love the idea of like having a daughter called Abby but her full name is Abyssinia, kind of like how my name is Bethlehem, Bethlehem. and that, tell, let me tell you, gave me some troubles in middle school. Oh, such uh, a great name, But, though. like, the fact that it's shortened, it's just, like, Beth, but then people are like, is it Bethany? I'm like, you thought it was Bethany. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I like that, and, like, my culture is very important to me and my heritage and all of that, so I definitely want to keep that alive with yeah. my kids. What's the first thing you do when you wake up and the last thing you do before you go to sleep? Um, okay. First thing I do when I wake up, I actually listen to music. First thing I do, because 
I have a really tough time waking up in the morning. And so the only thing that'll get me going is if I listen to music, because I have a Sonos speaker so in my room. And so I'll just be like half asleep, like put something on Spotify. Uh, I have like this album called, uh, I have this playlist called Bump that like, it's like really hype. So then I'll like put it on and I'll slowly get ready. But then like, I can't help it. Like I'm a mover. So when I hear music, I just have to dance. And so if there's, if it's a song that I know, it'll like get me up in the morning. Yeah. Last thing I do when I go to sleep, I love showering before I go to sleep because I love the idea of being like. 100% 100% cleansed of everything that I've done during the day. Yeah. Um, because especially nowadays, like, I'm so I'm so freaking busy all the time. And I'm like, like, when I'm up, like, I am on. I am on all day until I get home, which is, like, most of the time, like, 11. Um, so, like, when I just, like, take a shower. And I take, I take a scolding hot shower. Like, it is probably not good for my skin. Like, sorry to my dermatologist. And then I, I try and do something that makes me happy before I go to sleep, either if that's talking to a loved one or, or you know, hanging out with my friends, having a little glass of wine sometimes, why not, you know? Yeah. I can't read. I can't read anymore or I'll fall asleep because I'm so tired nowadays. I'm like, I don't know. I can't read more than, like, two pages without being like, anybody else sleepy? Like, what? Yeah. You know? But, like, I, I can't it. wait till I have the time. Because I used to be, like, a huge bookworm and, like, would have my head in a book all the time. So. Well, that's it, Beth. Oh, my God. Anything else you care to add? Oh, yes. I, so there's one thing. I had a revelation about art in the last few days, and I think I really want to share that. Yeah, go for it. So, uh, for anybody who's ever told or ever feels like this, like, goes on in your head, where you're, like, I have to start being realistic. Like, I need to be realistic about my dreams. Like, because you're an extremely ambitious person, I have realized that it is very important to separate um, effort and dreams because I feel like you can only be realistic about the effort that you put into something. You should never try and be realistic about the dreams that you have because the dreams that you have is what fuel your ambition. And those are two things that are extremely exclusive. You need, when people tell you to be realistic, you have to realize that you have to recategorize that to be like, yes, I need to be realistic about the amount of effort that I'm putting into making my dreams come true. Yeah. But dreams and like are, are only there because they are so out of reach and they are what drive your ambition and your ambition is what drives your effort. Right. And so they're all extremely important in the whole process of making art. And so for any artist, like, and like I've had a, like a lot of like philosophical conversations with, with some of my friends lately about this, but it's just like, yes, hundred percent. Be realistic. Be realistic about the effort that you're putting into something and the effort that you can put into something, and let your dreams be unrealistic. Let them be unrealistic so you can have um, unrealistic ambition. That'll keep driving you, because that is the only th- way to like sustain in this industry you know, is like by having your ambition and your dreams be alive. So if anybody ever says that to you, just be like, and I will take that and I will put it here and far, far away from all of my dreams and ambition. So, Wow, that's a great closing statement. And on that note, mic drop. Mic drop. I won't drop your mic. (laughs) I won't drop your phone on the ground right now. But yeah. Well, thanks, Beth. Thanks. Can I also shout out, promote, my new single. Don't think twice, baby. Yes. So I have a new single that's coming out called Twice. Um, it drops. Or don't call d- twice. Yeah. Did I say don't think twice. Uh, d- yeah. So, but it's called Twice. Getting, yeah, it's called Twice. Just so we don't give too much away. But you got a little sneak peek yeah. in here. Um, but yeah, it drops December 6th. I'm really, really, really excited about that. I can't wait for you guys to see the promo shots and like all the uh, cover art and. Um, lots of music to come, so... Really? Yes. We are, we are hustling next semester, so... Oh, shit. Keep your okay. eyes... Keep your eyes and ears and hearts open to that. So thank you. Love Thanks it. for having me, Allegra. I love you Thanks, so much. Dude. I love, love you. This for us. I love this for us, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
Thank you guys so much for listening and thank you for being so patient while I work out some things to finally get this podcast episode up. Um, I'm sure many of you know by now that Beth's single Twice is out. It came out on December 6th. It is a bop. It's amazing. I love it so much. I heard it early and I fell in love with it. She's so amazing. Her band's amazing. The producers are amazing. So definitely check it out. It's on all streaming platforms right now. Also, you should definitely check out her very first single, Dirty Little Secret, as well as the music video, which is on YouTube now. Thank you so much again. I hope everyone had a lovely holiday, and I hope that this new year is fruitful for all of us and brings joy and sadness, too, because you can't have one without the other, and brings so much creativity and art and friendship and collaboration I hope that we all just have a great decade. I'm excited. Okay, thanks so much, guys. See you on the next one. Bye.